0: chapter eleven of summa contragentiles first book on god by saint thomas aquinas translated by the fathers of the english dominican province this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter eleven refutation of the foregoing opinion and solution of the aforesaid arguments the foregoing opinion arose from their being accustomed from the beginning To hear and call upon the name of God. Now custom, especially if it date from our childhood, acquires the force of nature, the result being that the mind holds those things with which it was imbued from childhood as firmly as though they were self-evident. It is also a result of failing to distinguish between what is self-evident simply and that which is self-evident to us for it is simply self-evident that God is, because the self-same thing which God is, is his existence. But since we are unable to conceive mentally the self-same thing which is God, that thing remains unknown in regard to us. Thus it is self-evident simply that every whole is greater than its part, but to one who fails to conceive mentally the meaning of a whole, it must needs be unknown hence it is that those things which are most evident of all are to the intellect what the sun is to the eye of an owl as stated in metaphysics two. nor does it follow as the first argument alleged that as soon as the meaning of the word god is understood it is known that god is first because it is not known to all even to those who grant that there is a god that god is that thing than which no greater can be thought of, since many of the ancients asserted that this world is God, nor can any such conclusion be gathered from the significations which Damascene assigns to this word God, secondly, because granted that every one understands this word "god to signify something than which a greater cannot be thought of, it does not follow that something than which a greater cannot be thought of exists in reality for we must needs allege a thing in the same way as we allege the signification of its name now from the fact that we conceive mentally that which the word god is intended to convey it does not follow that god is otherwise than in the mind wherefore neither will it follow that the thing than which a greater cannot be thought of is otherwise than in the mind. And thence it does not follow that there exists in reality something than which a greater cannot be thought of. Hence this is no argument against those who assert that there is no God, since whatever be granted to exist, whether in reality or in the mind, there is nothing to prevent a person from thinking of something greater, unless he grants that there is in reality something than which a greater cannot be thought of. Again, it does not follow, as the second argument pretended, that if it is possible to think that God is not, it is possible to think of something greater than God. For that it be possible to think that he is not, it is not on account of the imperfection of his being or the uncertainty thereof, since in itself his being is supremely manifest, but is the result of the weakness of our mind which is able to see him, not in himself but in his effects, so that it is led by reasoning to know that he is. Wherefore, the third argument is also solved. For just as it is self-evident to us that a whole is greater than its part, so is it most evident to those who see the very essence of God that God exists, since his essence is his existence. But because we are unable to see his essence, we come to know his existence not in himself but in his effects. The solution to the fourth argument is also clear, for man knows God naturally in the same way as he desires him naturally. Now man desires him naturally in so far as he naturally desires happiness, which is a likeness of the divine goodness. Hence it does not follow that God considered in himself is naturally known to man, but that his likeness is. Wherefore man must needs come by reasoning to know God in the likeness to him which he discovers in God's effects it is also easy to reply to the fifth argument. For God is that in which all things are known, not so that other things be unknown, except he be known, as happens in self-evident principles, but because all knowledge is caused in us by his outpouring. End of chapter 11 Read by Michael Shane Craig Lambert, L.C.